Empire of the Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like I'm booked. Wet like I'm booked. Wet like I'm booked. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson. I'm joined as no. always by Kevin Zerman. I thought oh I was my supposed gosh. to. I did the pause. I we thought talked I was, about No, I was going to jump in and do something different because you like doing. Sorry, I ruined it. We can keep going. I don't care. This is bad vibes from the set, buddy. I'm really <laughs> disappointed in you. Hey, we're back. Uh, we just finished recording part one of our podcast. We're going through the all encompassing. 15 teams in the Western Conference. We spent like nine minutes talking about the Timberwolves. So if you want to go find that, there's about six minutes of Rockets talk in there. Uh, It's August, buddy. And we're here talking about it. Uh, Again, go back in and at least listen to. I would recommend if you didn't want to hear about the other teams, I get it. uh, And you want to just hear about the top dogs. We're here to talk about the big dogs. The big dogs will be discussed. Uh, we should have wore our big dogs. What was that? Those shirts in the '90s as we were growing up. Remember the big dogs? It was like a oh, it was Bernie's like a, Mountain Dog with sunglasses. Yeah, or something. Yeah, and he had like a beer in his hand or whatever, and like a yeah. surfboard. <laughs> oh man, that's right. Isn't that a character on The Simpsons? I'm remembering I, too. I don't. Know. I don't know, but we, we should have worn those shirts we for this. Get going. Uh, so the first 15, 20 minutes of that uh, podcast, whatever it was, ten minutes, uh, we talked about how we see the Western Conference. Is it still as much parity as last year? Because there is a separation at the top, but how much do we believe in it, and so on. So go back to that. We'll be referencing that. Um, but then if you don't want to hear about why we're worried about Minnesota's depth or the um, if, if, wing situation in for the Clippers, then... Uh, or to sell it, the Mavs talk, I think. People would love to hear our Mavs talk as oh, Suns fans. Yeah, we were negative about... We were negative. About That's my teaser. Go Dallas listen to the Mavericks. Mavs talk, yeah. We broke these teams, we being me. I broke these teams down on ArizonaSports.com into six tiers. Uh, the exclusive Did You Trade Damian Lillard yet tier we got into at the top of that. But we've got the three tiers now. We're going to start with tier three. We're going to work on the bottom, work our way up. Are you sure you're on the list? And these are three teams where I believe everything should add up to them being a contender. But for some reason, I'm just a smidge worried, if not all together worried that they're not going to be a contender, but I believe enough is there for it to happen, basically. And this is very similar to Tier 4 that I talked about, which included the Timberwolves, Clippers, and the Mavericks. I think a lot of people would flip these, for example. Yeah. Uh, like the three teams are the Pelicans at 8, the Memphis Grizzlies at 7, and yes, I haven't said them yet, folks, the Oklahoma City Thunder at 6. I'm buying, baby. I'm buying everything you're yeah, selling. Yeah, yeah. Give me all that. We'll get to them. I could see, and I write this later, 3 through 11, if you rank them in any order, if you put the Dallas Mavericks 3, I'm not going to call you an idiot. Like, I'm not going to think you have no idea what you're talking about. If you put the Minnesota Timberwolves 5th, I'm like, yeah, sure. All right. I don't know how it's going to go. You're uh, more skeptical or whatever. <laughs> I'm just giving people a break, man. I've got the Pelicans at 8. I think this is a team that a lot of people are going to put 9, 10, or 11, and this is probably going to be a bit too generous to them. Here's my case. You ready? Yeah. Are you are you with that argument? Do you kind of see that being the consensus on them, that they're going to be seen as a team that is more towards the bottom than the top? Yeah. No one trusts Zion, fairly. But 
even Zionless, I think they should be better than last year. Last year went really well at the start of the year where people like myself who were picking them to make, I think I picked them to make the Western Conference Finals. I can't remember exactly how high I went uh, on that projection. We were 20 games in. It was looking great. Yeah. And then Brandon Ingram got hurt. And then Mr. Williamson got hurt yet again. And it was a free fall. Looked like they weren't even going to make the play in. And there was an 18-game stretch, the last 18 games of the year, where it was there was no other solution. It was not going to be C.J. McCollum. Brandon Ingram had to be a first-team All-NBA-looking guy. He had to be one of the best players in the world for the last quarter of the season. And guess what, Kevin? That's what he was. He He's averaged 27-6-7. and seven. Yes, seven assists per game. And he shot 52% from the field. Suns fans know this guy. They saw him in that first round two years ago. Um, maybe not with the playmaking in mind, but, man, when I saw those assist totals for the first couple of games of March, I was like, what's going on over there? So then I was watching the Pelicans almost every night when the Suns weren't playing. And let me tell you something, that, that something happened with, that, with him. I think that he is going to, if I had to pick 15 guys to make All-NBA, maybe I'll feel differently, but I want to pick him to make All-NBA this year, just based on the way that he was playing. I thought that he was not only looking like an All-Star, but an All-NBA guy. And then conveniently, at the same time, Guess who's that averaging 20 points per game alongside him? Trey Murphy. Trey Murphy looked incredibly legit as a scorer, and of course he came into the league 3 and D, glue guy, Mikel Bridges. We talk about the Derek White All-Stars. Trey Murphy is on there. Maybe we were, who was it we were talking about with the Mikel Bridges Herb Jones? Um, No, no, um, from episode uh, part one. We were talking about one of those teams, and we were talking about this is a guy... Who could make that? The Grant? Devin Vassell. We were oh, talking about Devin okay. Vassell being like maybe he has a Mikel Bridges type scoring leap. That's basically what Trey Murphy did in the last twenty games of last year. We thought that this was going to come from Herb Jones, and then the first ten games of the year, he was doing off dribble stuff. He was knocking down threes off the dribble, and I was like, here he is. Uh, and it turned out to be Murphy actually. And Herb Jones, by the way, one of the best defenders on planet Earth. Jose Alvarado shown flashes. Dyson Daniels did as well. I think Jordan Hawkins was one of the best, like the fit and the value for where he was picked out of UConn. I really liked him. He was one of the guys that I had highlighted in that class. Here's the case against that. Mr. Williamson is what he did last year. We we have no idea, by the way. I don't think it, has anyone come out and said like he's going to play opening night. He's in he's, shape. He's even like, we had the Luca in shape combo okay. last pod. He played three games to start the year. The first three games. Then he missed two. Then he played eight. Then he missed three. And then he played, I believe, 10 or 11 here, it looks like. And then he played three. Missed three. (laughs) Then he played four games. And then we didn't see him again for the rest of the year. Here's my other argument, Kevin. He played 29 games. He scored 25-plus points in 20 of those games. His season lows for points were 9 and 14. He was not only he was only in double digits, failed to get double digits once, and it was nine, and then he only failed to get to fifteen a second time, which was fourteen. He is a top fifteen to twenty player in the league when healthy, but we have to treat it like he's not healthy, right? Are you are you evaluating the Pelicans like he's playing? I can't. I, I can't do it. No, I'm not. But for the sake of this exercise, I would place them eleven if I just acted like he didn't exist. But he does exist, and there is just a, there is a chance that. Is he going to play 80 games next year? No. But could he play 50? And then could yeah, he be ready for that. the playoffs? Yeah, That's all that. we need, bud. 
Just get 50 <laughs> or 60 in, don't get shut down, and play in the playoffs. That's all they need, play in the play-in, whatever it's going to be exactly. If he plays in 55 games, the level he plays at, they're going to they're gonna win 50 they're games. They're cruising, yeah. They're going to be awesome because Ingram's going to be there, and now more naturally it seems like C.J. McCollum is in that stage of his career right now where he is okay with being more floor general and like his just not diminishing returns exactly, but he's turning 32 later this summer. It looks like more of a third banana guy on a really good team like this on a title contender. Maybe it's fourth. I don't really know exactly. But, again, if Zion's healthy, you got him, Ingram, and then McCollum. It's a drop McCollum. But then the guys after that I'm encouraged about as well. Uh, I am I am still with them as a as a potential contender. Are you, are you with me? Yeah. Um, depth, vets, Jonas, like, dude – like people don't give him enough credit for just like you don't have to worry about the center like he's gonna play maybe 20 minutes some nights because of matchups but you don't have to worry about him i like they're all their young guys they just draft wings that are good at something and yeah i mean it's weird because like zion's almost like the clippers with paul george and Kawhi, but He's even different in the, like, it's not about, like, it's just the expectation is play half the games and be healthy for the playoffs, like you said. Like, they're the Clippers are at this point where they're, like, they're done with it after this season if those two guys aren't healthy. So you know that they're just, this is their last year to give it a run, I think, on that team, and that was in our last podcast. But the Pelicans are, like, you don't even account for him, like you said, basically. Like, you just roll with it, and if he's healthy, great. And that's just basically juggling and rolling a dice or whatever is a good analogy. I don't know if it's a tax thing, but there was Jonas talk like he could get traded, um, potentially. Keep an eye on what happens with them at center, because sneaky, they sneakily signed Cody Zeller as their third-string center. Yeah, but he insurance. Showed- he showed in Miami that he's at least a third-string center, if not a backup center, because Larry Nance is still really good. Yeah. Is he healthy all the time? No, that's why Cody Zeller is there. They still have Najee Marshall, who's a favorite of ours. The Beef Boys menu, Kevin. It's back on the menu. <laughs> EJ Liddell, healthy. Could oh, he be yeah. in there? Wait, was that was his rookie year, right? Oh, yeah. my gosh. Uh, tore the ACL or the Achilles, whatever it was exactly, was out there in Summer League. Didn't look great, but I, I thought from a movement perspective, he we looked We loved he looked the draft good. pick of value, yeah. Um, Love that for him. I thought he was a first-round talent in that draft. Is Kyra Lewis a thing? We're going to find out sooner rather than later because later is a, that would not mean a good thing. Okay, that was a lot of Pelicans yeah. talk, so let's cruise by. Uh, can we cruise by Memphis? Can we just go by? Nope. Status quo, Marcus Smart, great. He will do the Dylan Brooks stuff with less being a jerk about it um, and probably is better at it. Oh, they got, they got two things going. Jaw, please just don't. I hope his head space is okay or whatever you want to call it. That's all I hope. In cause... order for them to be a contender with like the wall that they seem to be, it just seems like they're going to keep headbutting their ceiling. That's what I wrote. Um, one, I apparently they've been trying to trade for a wing. It's like try harder. What are you doing? <laughs> you have a bunch of good young like good young talents. I'll say not players. OG Ananobi's still out there. But boss. someone will take Zaire Williams, Jake Laravia, and three first round picks for someone like OG Ananobi or something. Just do it 
because what are you waiting for? Like, it, it, just because you're young doesn't mean your window is going to be 10 years long. And then you you're going to treat it yeah. like this is going to be a decade long thing. That's the crazy part about how well they've done is like, use it, please. Like, yeah. you have too much good stuff that I'm, you can't use and you put five people on the floor. It doesn't matter if you're 20 people deep. I believe they were the team that offered four or six first round picks for Mikel. And like, yes, that makes sense. Trade Kenneth Loft. Like, you have so many pieces that are people would take and oh. throw in some draft picks and you're solid old kenny jr uh they need more on-ball equity and they got luke Kennard at the trade deadline and then they replaced highest jones with derrick rose uh what are they doing i don't understand why they aren't acting with more urgency it's been really frustrating to me because i think that they could be they could win the west they could uh the two things one in this current allotment at least maybe they'll sign someone maybe they're the kelly Oubre team i have no idea what their mle situation is right now anything like that um they need Zaire Williams, Santi Aldama, David Roddy, or Jake Laravia to suddenly be pretty good. Yeah. They need one of them to join what is arguably the top six, the best top six in the league when Morant, Bain, Smart, Jaron Jackson Jr., Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, maybe the best top six in basketball. Like, that's really, really, really good. That might seem like praise for guys like Adams or Clark or Bain uh, or even Jackson, maybe, or Smart, but those guys, it goes under the radar what they're good at and what they're when, not what they're yeah. good at, what they're great at, too. Is this the year where it's like there were points last year, two years ago, where it looked like Ja was going to be the new face of the league? Basically, mm-hmm. we were there. Is that going to happen this year? It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like it's a good trend. Twenty-five games is what he's going to miss, by the way. Um, but can Bain take it? We were talking about fifteen games of the year on our podcast. We we're like, is it, are they going to have the All Star backcourt? Are they are both their guys going to make the All Star team? And then he got hurt for a bit, and then he kind of, sort of was that guy, but never quite got there. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s career trajectory has been really weird. Comes out of Michigan State as a, a stretch five, basically, but more so this guy could be uh, incredible defensively. And he starts out as more of an offensive-minded guy in the NBA, and then all of a sudden he's Defensive Player of the Year. So it's like, okay, can he get back to that offensive development? So can one of those three guys, their top three, can one of them take a big step forward in their games? So the the potential is there, but I just think there's going to be another 48-53 to 53 win team that get, gets bounced in the second round, probably. Like, that's just their fate right now until something changes either from a development perspective or they get aggressive on the market, which they very well could. Fun team. Speaking of fun, I think it's going to be the most fun team to watch in the league in terms of... I was talking looking, about the team I'm watching you scroll. Sorry. Yes. In terms of you're not a top five team in the league because people say who's the most fun team in the league well it was like the warriors like when they had the dream the the death ball lineup all that kind of stuff like it, the suns are probably gonna be the most fun team to watch in the, the the nuggets with Jokic, they're the most fun team to watch in the league but the league past darlings whatever you want to call them hopefully they're on national tv a lot more the oklahoma city thunder i have sixth i have made this point a couple of times on the podcast so i won't expand on it a ton but there's a video game called red dead redemption 2 is one of the greatest video games ever made, and it tells the story of a outlaw named Arthur Morgan. And Arthur is essentially in this day and age where um, the presence of the authorities is being greatly expanded upon, and the times of outlaws just running towns and running through and not having any accountability are gone. They're basically dinosaurs, and the whole story of the game is him and his outlaw friends going through this process and essentially learning that they are people from a different time now and it's happening in the middle and i think what's happening to 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 be big scale what's happening in the game of basketball right now is you need to be big 
you need to be skilled and you need to be smart. If you're 5'10", that that's just going to it's really going to hurt you. But if you're 6'6", six, six, if you're Josh Giddy, if you're Jalen Williams, if you're Shea Gildas Alexander, if you're Vasily Michich, if you're one of these guys who is 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", you understand entirely not only what is going on on the floor, but how you can manipulate what's going on on the floor, and then you can make the play after that that is the correct one, that's what teams need. It's why we've loved the Boston Celtics for years and why we've loved a guy like Derek White for years or Malcolm Brogdon because there's these guys that you can get where they're not your superstar they're a role player, quote unquote, but they actually kind of are doing the star superstar things in terms of how they affected defense. Yeah, and OKC is just going after these guys. They Even keep, Poku, Poku needs to get rid of all the terrible stuff, but he giant like absolutely weird like metrics as far as his body and size and stuff. Usman Jang was the same thing. Yeah. I saw him handling the ball in Vegas, and I was like, that's that's what they want. Even like I mean, Chet. We can talk about Chet in a sec, but same thing like. You have five guys, in theory, your five best players are all different positions, but all can play together, can all do the off-ball stuff. If they get a rebound, they can all go and make the right read or shoot. Um, I guess Giddy is still working on that and stuff. I don't know what he ended up at as a three-point shooter, but, I mean, to your point, that's why we love watching this team. And then you go to Shea, who is that, and also, like... Is a borderline top ten player. I don't want to make. I, yeah. I thought that the first team All NBA thing was a bit weird. He wasn't <laughs> even on a team that was above five hundred. I didn't really agree with that necessarily to that extent. But he was that season. He was a top ten player in the league. I'll put it that way. He was every single night. He was this guy. To be clear, thirty one, five and six and two with a block as well. He shot fifty one from the floor. He shot fifty three on his twos. He took eleven free throws a night and shot ninety one percent. On them, Josh Giddy last year. I feel like I have to say these stats because people aren't talking about the Thunder. Giddy, 17 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists a game. Shot 48 from the floor. I think the big thing for him and the really concerning thing about me watching him as a rookie, uh, I was low on him watching him as a rookie. I was like, I don't know if this is going to work out, was his touch and his his like um, his like 14 feet in game because he doesn't finish at the rim. He's not an explosive yeah. guy like that. But he shot 52% on his twos. His mid-range stuff really started to work out. To my point, and like the um, not going Smart. to the right stuff, oh, he takes two free throws a game. So he's yeah. not that type of scorer, but yet he's at 17 points per game it's without about, being much of a shooter. Yeah. So he, like, to your point about they need smart people and they have smart people. How does a guy like that average 17 points per game is what I'm saying. Yeah. Because he's like, extremely smart and skilled. He's skilled, and then he goes through a rookie year and he finds out what shots are efficient for him, what are not. You adjust, and you're better. And it's not necessarily even that you become a great shooter. He did improve, but it is, I'm sure, shot selection, knowing what you're good at, knowing what you can get away with. Um, Low-key, he is one of the best playmakers, especially, like, the size helps, but he sees so well. We didn't even mention Dort. We'll get to him. Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. J-Dub will be referring to him as as he gets to be uh, called. Don't call him the better Jalen Williams in front of the other Jalen Williams. Do you remember that? Do you see that clip at Vegas? No. Oh, my goodness. Don't yeah. I'll, I'll move past. Okay. Uh, after the All Star break, Jalen Williams, J Dub, averaged 19 points, five rebounds, four assists per game. He looked like another really good playmaker. I just thought he was going to be like a smart off ball score type of guy, and he just looks like he has on ball chops immediately. He was good defensively as well. Uh, he's 21. 
Josh Giddy's 21. <laughs> These guys are good right now. And basically what happened with this OKC team is they won 40 games last year, and I thought that they were they were pretty much a 31 or a 32-win team. But these guys were, were winning them games over and over again just because of the productivity you're getting from this these guys on the ball and having these many options. And then you go through the rest of their roster. You're going to add Mitchich to it if you're not f- familiar with Vasile's work. One of the best players in Europe now. He was drafted nine years ago by Philly. His draft rights get bounced around. He comes to OKC. Incredibly good passer. Incredibly skilled. Not a ton of explosion. Pretty good shooter. Exactly what they need as like a veteran. I remember someone saying like Ricky Rubio is a signing for them this year. And I was like, that makes a ton of sense. And then someone was like, what if they just bring over Vasily? And I was like, that makes more even more sense. And they did. Beyond them, Lou Dort, one of the best defenders on planet Earth. Uh, he is the guy who is maybe the Drew Holiday All-Star right now for it seems like the defender the players stand for the most in terms of what he does yeah. and the value that he brings. Cason Wallace just looks like another one of him. I love Cason Wallace. I talked about him briefly during um, the draft process. He, there is no other Drew Holiday, but he's the player comp is kind of Drew Holiday for him, Bigger at least Drew defensively. Yeah. Just super strong, defensive-minded, in-your-face guard who can do some stuff on the ball. Again, if the Oklahoma City Thunder are picking him, that means there's something on the ball. Because I watched him, and I was like, eh, I don't know. And then I remembered, oh, Kentucky, yeah, probably. Just that thing again. Isaiah Joe, just on the street. Hey, here's a good role player who can shoot 40% from three. Doesn't miss. Our good friend, Australian correspondent David, has been trying to acquire Kenny Hustle, Kenrich Williams, for two years now for the Suns as shadow GM. Unsuccessfully doing so, he's going to continue to do that because he's good. Jalen Williams, uh, not J-Dub, led the league in taking charges last year. Smart, capable center. Their depth is just good. Trey Mann was lighting up Summer League. Again, Summer League, but he can really score. They're missing a center. I don't think Jalen, the second Jalen Williams, the um, I did it right there, the, this, the big version of Jalen Williams, <laughs> excuse me. Big guy. Um, him as a starting center is a stretch in terms of being a 50-win team, for example, which is like the ceilings we're kind of talking about here for these teams. Um, that's where Chet comes in. And there's a clip on Twitter that went around about a week ago of KG just fanning out, like being a fan in front of Holmgren and just talking about watching him in Utah Summer League again, to be clear, the environment he was watching him in. But KG, who knows a thing or two about defense, one of the best defensive players of all time, talked about just the instincts and where he was on the floor. And he was like, I see it. You get it. Like, you just get it. And then Chet pointed at KG and said, like, because I watched you do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm doing it. And that, to me, like, clicked the thing where it's like, that's what Chet is. He's a phenomenal shot blocker. He's incredible in terms of instincts, ball placement, all that kind of stuff. He's incredible. He's very skilled as an offensive player as well. It's just a matter of him tightening up pretty much everything, footwork, handle. There was some stuff in Vegas where I was like, there's – there's progress that what needs he can to be get made. A, yeah, what he can get away with because he just has, I mean, not playing basketball and not playing it against this level. Yeah, I but, think the, the big thing is, like, when you watched him in high school, he would have games where he's struggling, and then suddenly he's like, you know what, I just missed a couple of shots. I need to just go, grabs a rebound, takes it all the way, fires up a three. Like, he's not going to do that in the NBA probably, but he has this attitude about him that I think people, like, in the draft process, like Mike Schmitz talked a lot about it, I think, um, before he went to work with the Trailblazers, but just, like, he might be skinny, but he is, like, 
mentally like he wants to bully people and mm-hmm. i think you'll see that when he plays more 100 <laughs> percent, yeah and i i just think that I think there's a chance, and if I had to bet on it, I think he's going to be good right away, and there's a decent chance he's really good right away. It's going to be the that Wemby thing we talked about in part yeah, one, that's... where he is going to come on the floor, and people are going to be like, I'm going to punk you. Yeah. What are you doing on an NBA floor? You weigh 160 pounds. Get out of here. He's had his skeptics for a long time because of that, and to be honest, I think it's partially deserved because of his frame. But with that being said, I think that he... He just plays too hard, one. I think that's a, a big um, misconception about him at Gonzaga is that guys in his position with his skill set but his frame would get discouraged too often. Like you said, he just doesn't – you watch high school games of his, he doesn't get discouraged. When Kenneth Lofton Jr. was punking him in those games, Mm -hmm. he didn't get discouraged. He was still impacting that game, but the the highlights did not look good. No. Because it's it's a borderline NBA player putting him under the basket every possession. But he was working his tail off, and I think that he that is eventually going to come out for him. And again, the KG clip was just for me as a KG guy. Real came quick, through. yeah. Is there a chance he has a better season than Wemby? I think there yes. is. Yeah. So I think that's where it is. Like I think Wemby's stock and future is much higher, very high ceiling compared to him. There was a wave of takes after Holmgren played in Summer League and Wemby played in Summer League where people were like, what if Chet Holmgren wins Rookie of the Year? I was like, yeah, he's going to be, their team's going to win twice as many games and he's going to impact winning far more. Now he's going to average like 12 points per game compared to Wemby's 19 or 21 or whatever. he has a good team, yeah. So it'll probably be Wemby still, but yeah, of course. Okay, before, let me know if I'm capping. You ready as the kids say? Yeah. Am I capping? Okay, here's the lineup. Shea, mm-hmm. Giddy. Jalen Williams, J-Dub. Jalen Williams, L-I-N, Jeremy Lin, at center. And then we got Chet at the four. Off the bench, Vasili, Dort, Kenny Hustle. Insert five here. Jeremiah Robinson Earl was that guy for them at times last year. They didn't really pick up a center on the margins. This is why they got Dario at the deadline. Dario worked out for them. Am I am I getting too high? Isaiah Joe's going to mix in there. There are a couple of names like Aaron Wiggins I didn't mention who was good for them Keontae last year. Johnson Keontae Johnson's on the two-way, the Kansas State guy. They brought in Jack White probably to compete for that two-way spot as well. I mean, Isaiah Joe, yeah. I mean, Isaiah Joe has to play. He's they'll play, they'll play Chet at the five. That's, a th- that's part of it, too. Yeah, and those two guys are interchangeable, Jalen Williams and I him. just feel like on paper they're really good. I I wish people would see it more, and I hope they will. I hope that they, when the TV schedule comes out in a week or two, that they're like top five in, in national games. That's not going to be the case. The Lakers are going to have 47, and yeah. you know, the Suns are going to be up there too. But there we go. I said I was going to keep it brief on the Thunder. I couldn't help <laughs> myself. I was really excited. Knocking on the door, tier two. I've got the Golden State Warriors fifth. I've got the Los Angeles Lakers fourth. I'm still with the Kings. Kings are third, and the Kings who won 48 games last year and are young and are going to be better, theoretically. Vegas, speaking of the capping, mm-hmm. they call cap. Oh, yeah. 44 and a half on the, uh, on the, uh, win, uh, the win loss. Like, like I said, uh, Warriors 48 and a half for the over-under. Lakers 47 and a half, and then the Kings. To quickly jet through this section, uh, I think the Warriors are still going to be very good. I don't think Chris Paul is going to start. That would mean that maybe 
Draymond just comes off the bench and he's cool with it. That doesn't seem like a Draymond Green thing to me. It doesn't seem like a Clay Thompson thing to me. It can't be Andrew Wiggins. It can't be Kevon Looney. It's got to be one of those three guys. I think it'll be Chris. I think it's all going to work out in terms of those guys. I think the one or two of Pajemski or Trace Jackson Davis out of Indiana, one of those two rookies is going to be good for them right away. I don't like them betting on Moody and Kuminga. I think that last year basically showed, like, is this it? We, yeah. I think we all went in the offseason being like, is this it? it? It seemed like for Draymond and Clay, both showed signs that they were near the end of the tunnel, but then Steph is still one of the best players on earth, and I can't really rule them out. Do you think, are you lower, higher, same-ish? I might be lower on them. Um, I just, so you think Steph has the, to play out of his mind, which I'm not going to say is not yeah. possible. They're on the outside of the contending picture, to be clear, for you. Yeah. Okay. Because I just don't see how high their upside is from this past season because I thought, okay, Steph's playing out of his mind. Chris actually does add stability in how they've spoken about it as far as you know, pumping the brakes on the tempo. Um, I think his mid-range stuff with the second unit is going to really actually fit well, kind of like Sean Livingston did all those years ago um, with the three-point shooters. I think there's room for that. There's room for him. I just don't believe enough in their role players. Like, no. after Looney, Dre... DiVincenzo was a low-key big loss that uh, didn't oh, really yeah. talked about that much. Big loss there. I just don't see enough pop from those guys. And it's not even about points and, like, Chris Paul has to replace Jordan Poole. No, I think... Like, I, I expect Clay will have a good season, actually. I think he'll be better than last year, just because the farther he gets away from those bad injuries, the better. But I just don't think they have enough pop and versatility in what they bring. Um, and, and that's just like, they went through bad stretches last year, and that's just because they don't have enough guys Steve Kerr can trust, and I don't know if any of those are going to change. They're going to be two guys short if, if Clay or Dre are indeed dropping off. Uh, I really like the Dario pickup as a center, yeah. especially on that team. It makes Gary a ton Payton, of sense. Gary Payton, I think, back yeah. that stability. But he was quietly not the same guy last year that he was. But then again, Pajemski and uh, Jackson Davis I mentioned, because then you get to Moses Moody and Kuminga, who have both not shown that they can earn Steve Kerr's trust. Uh, to put it short, the Chris Paul thing will work. It's going to work. They're going to be really good with him on the floor. They're going to win a lot of basketball games still. Are they going to win in the big time with him? Uh, no, he's probably going to get hurt again. It's been just too many. Happening over and they're going to struggle between playing them too much and playing them too little to be healthy for the playoffs, I think. I think that's basically what it comes down to because you need them to produce a lot and too much compared to what those other guys are going to do. This okay. The, you're either dropping the Lakers to this same kind of group, or you're outside, or you're the. You saw uh, them after the deadline. They are this team. Where are you? I have after the deadline. One of the three or four best teams in basketball, maybe second. Yeah, I have faith in the Lakers to some degree, but I also do think this is one of those like the D backs this year where they made a bunch of changes. It worked really well. Is it going to be continued an upward trend? I'm not even talking about Braun and AD stuff. I'm talking about, like, is Rui Hachimura going to continue to improve or take a leap even? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't. I Like, it, you're trusting in those guys taking steps and D'Lo figuring out how to play with this team. And I think those guys are who I think they are. And they're maybe they'll improve a little bit here and there, but I'm not sure that's enough once teams figure out what they're doing and have – you know, a full season of tape. 
Yeah, I believe that Hachimura, like, he was really good in the postseason. I'm not saying he wasn't, but I still believe yeah. there's a ton of question marks there. D'Lo, same thing. Figuring out how to play with them is a really good way to put it. I think Vincent was a steal. I think Austin yeah. Reeves was a steal. I think Torian Prince was a steal. I think they did too well on, like, the margins, quote-unquote, there. But Vincent's like a starting caliber point guard in the league. The Kings, uh, my case. Yes. I already mentioned it earlier. Top five point guard, De'Aaron Fox. Top five center, Demonis Sabonis. The rest of the core is super solid and relies on one thing, which is Keegan Murray being much better. And guess what? He is going to be much better. Probably. I think that he is going Shouldn't to Shouldn't have been be, in Summer League, yeah. Uh, I don't want to say an all-star, but I think that some of the stuff he was doing in that Warrior Series, considering he's a rookie starter playing in Golden State, some of the stuff he was doing in those games, I was like, this some is of, going to be. One of the college basketball... I think it was Rob Doster, if you follow college basketball stuff. But he was like, I don't mean this as an insult. It might have been someone else on his podcast, but yeah. it's basically like Keegan Murray's just like a nicer Cam Johnson. And that was like as a, I'm worried about that. And even if he is now, that's still a really good player. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I think that he could average maybe 20 a game Yeah, this year. He was at 12 last year. He might... Not Mike Double F. People laughed at, oh, all you're touches, doing is signing Harrison Bar- re-signing Harrison Barnes. And it's like, nope, that's a good move. Because Harrison Barnes just has to be slightly worse than he was last year because Keegan Murray is going to be much better. Uh, I'm just really happy that after the World Heavyweight Heat Check Microwave Scoring Guard Championship belt was vacant for so long, Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford left us. It wasn't quite sure who we were going to hand it to. Here you go, Malik Monk. Congratulations. You're awesome. Yeah. Showed it in the playoffs. Davion Mitchell in that series to me really impressed me. I went in that series being like, I don't know about Davion Mitchell. We talked about it on the podcast. In fact, is like he like not like, a thing anymore? I don't yeah. know. And then he was good. You know, it wasn't good. It was Kevin Herter. Big year for Kevin Herter. Uh, I think that they could look to explore them. The Bradley Beal noise made a lot of sense to me when it came out. It didn't make sense how they got him, of course, but them looking at that need. Love Colby Jones out of Xavier for them. Uh, there were teams where I wasn't sure about him in terms of his value. Uh, rookie out of Xavier they got in the second round. Very smart. Plays extremely hard defensively. And then Sasha Vezinkov, who I talked about on a lot of the shows, he scored 275 points on 26 dribbles at one point in EuroLeague play. Uh, That means that he is an awesome cutter. That means he's a really good shooter. That means he can get his shot off anywhere. And imagine that in that system with that pace, with Fox and Sabonis fighting the ball. Flying off Sabonis with the ball. Oh, yeah. That's going to be really, really good. They are in that mix for me when I think of the top six, top sevens across the league of just like the best seven when you go into a postseason i think they're there man there was some stretch at the end of the year where their offense was like legit over 20 games off the charts not even close to any other team in history as far as offensive efficiency i don't remember what it was at all so you can just tell me i'm a liar but they're really good it Um, wasn't a fluke let me say i would have had them in the next year if not for sabonis defensively yeah i just don't think you can win a title with him uh in that spot it's the Jokic point but with him uh and we'll see if he can improve on that but defensively you watch him and it doesn't i never felt that way about Jokic, to be clear but i feel that way about sabonis there were moments where you're like should he come off the floor and when you're thinking about that with a guy who makes all nba who you're paying all this money to i don't know darren fox in that series very quickly point totals 38 24 26 38 24 26 hand injury assists 5 9 9 5 9 11 turnovers 3 2 4 3 6 5 that was his first postseason series he was playing against steph curry and he was matching steph curry for six games he's best clutch player in the league last year i think that he's underrated still the top dogs 
They're barking. There's two of them. Tier one, head and shoulders. I got the Phoenix Suns at number two. I got the Denver Nuggets at number one. Just a sign of respect to the Nuggets, but I believe that we could be looking 30 games in and talking about how not Denver screwed up, but Bruce Brown, it was even more of a detriment to them. I mentioned the stat in part one about their on-off numbers. Look, if Julian Strawder, Zeke Naji, and Peyton Watson are good, then they're fine. But they aren't. They we don't know they're good. They have not shown they're good yet. Uh, Chanchar, Naji, and Watson were all guys Malone was trying to figure out if he could play them last year, and he couldn't. We'll see about the three picks in the twenties and the thirties. That was Jalen Pickett, Strawther, who I mentioned, and Hunter Tyson. Hunter Tyson had a really good summer league, um, but they are looking around best starting lineup in the league. They basically. To the top six point, the only reason I can say that now is because Bruce Brown's not on the Nuggets. They had the best top six in basketball, yeah. the Denver Nuggets. Um, do you want to talk more Suns and how they compare to the Nuggets? What do you think? Do you think it's as, do you think it's it's as close? One. Do you have the Suns above them? Where are you at? No, I'm going to give respect to those guys. I mean, if Jokic is what he is, they'll be fine. Like, I also do think they have more versatility, and it. I think I've said this before on this podcast, they went and made second-round trades during the finals. Their GM, he should be sitting back and being like, I'm enjoying these NBA finals. I put together a finals team that we're going to win, and they did. But he was like, oh, crap, I better get some second-round picks. So they're very, like, their front office is awesome. Like, they couldn't have done anything about the Brown departure. Um, but they're giving themselves options down the line. I don't have trust, like you said, in Najee, Peyton Watson, maybe, because Mike Mullen was like, I trust this guy, kind of. There was and a lot of buzz last year. He has enough. RIP Pac-12 par 4. Oh, yeah. He has enough to his game where it's unique, and it's like, okay, if you're going to take the Zeke Naji moments and just become a another like small ball defensive versatile guy, let's do that. Um, it's crazy how you could have given them like one of the Suns minimum guys and you'd feel better. Yeah. Like if you gave them Drew Eubanks or if you gave them he... Josh Akogi or if you gave them Yuta Wadnabi or Eric Gordon. Yeah. And they got Justin Holliday, <laughs> who's been on five teams of three years now. Seems like a perfect 3 and D guy, but it keeps not working out. The Landry Shamit rule, I will What's Clemson rookie guy who had a good Hunter summer? Hunter Tyson. Hunter Tyson is just like a, what, like a big wing shooter guy? Big wing shooter guy. So they have some pieces where it's like, okay, we can spot you 10 minutes. You go Strawler looks like the best someone. shooter to be in the draft when I watch. Okay. So yeah. they get two shooters. Like, they made good moves. Um, obviously losing Bones. They still have Reggie Jackson, right? They still do. Um, the so. Suns. Um, Here's where I'm going to start. Yeah, go. I think that Booker and Durant are a 10 out of 10 basketball fit. They did not get to – they got to show uh, 4% of that because of how the season worked out. I think it's going to start to really blend together quite naturally for them, and I think both of them are going to be um, together in the MVP conversation at the same time. We're going to run into the Chris Paul, Devin Booker thing again, but it's going to be with oh, Andre yeah. and Devin Booker. Assuming everyone stays healthy, I think that's how it's going to be. I think Booker has a real shot to win MVP this year because of the way that this team is lined up and where he's going to be able to impact the game both offensively and defensively. I think that Bradley Beal is going to come into this season, and he is going to have a real point to prove, and I think he's going to prove it, which is I'm a top 30 player in the league. Why are you guys treating me like I'm trash because of my contract? All this kind of stuff, so on and so forth. With that being said... I rolled through a lot of questions that I have about the team. My questions are not about how everyone fits off the ball. It's been a big talking point the last couple of weeks. They're going to be fine off the ball. All three are extraordinary players off the ball. It comes down to how it goes on the ball and how they manage it between the three of them and making sure everyone is staying cool enough on the ball and not getting cold 
and everyone's rhythm and flow and all that kind of stuff, it is not going to be, I don't want to say it's not going to be pretty at the start, but it's going to look so much better in February than it does in November. Like, it's just going to take time for the three of them to figure out how to get everyone's touches. Who is going to be the Chris Bosch? I don't think there can be a Chris Bosch necessarily. Even Dwayne Wade had to step down significantly in that part. Like, KD is going to step down quite a bit. Book's going to step down quite a bit. Beal's going to start on the ball more often than not because he's a smaller guy. But we'll see how it goes from there. And that's, like, that's the question that I have there necessarily. The alignment of this team, no matter who the fifth starter is, one of these guys is going to have to take a primary defensive assignment. It's probably going to be two of them when you're talking about the best teams in the world. Um, I think Durant's ready for it. I think that Booker is more than ready for it. I don't know if Bradley Beal is just because I haven't seen him enough. It's just yeah. I'm, I'm pleading ignorance there. We'll see. DeAndre Ayton, we've talked about it. Defensive player of the year. He could be in the running. He could also be a top 25 center in the league like he was in the playoffs for the last three series. And then Eric Gordon I wrote here. I just don't think enough people are talking, not enough, but I, I think yeah. something that gets missed with him is that whole flow and finding opportunities with the big three. He's going to have to find those on the ball as well. And you can't just have him be a super spacer. You're not getting enough out of Eric Gordon if you're just treating him like just a shooter. Because he's not just a shooter. He's a really good scorer as well. And you need to find value in that. I think it'll come more naturally than I think. But I just want to see it. I just want to see it. I think just out of Eric Gordon's stuff, I think he will find minutes at point guard where he's going to touch the ball. He's going to feel involved. He's going to run the offense just to take a little off book and Beal. So I'm not super worried about that kind of thing, um, I, that he's just going to be a floor spacer. Uh, my big question on the Suns, I think I don't know how this team looks on defense at all. And like this is the big why you hire Frank Vogel, I guess, is because you want to find that out as soon as in the season as possible. But like even in the Denver series, there are times where KD and Aiton were not in the same communicating or breaking down and yeah it was tough because katie wasn't on the floor much he's been on this team that long now they reset again it's hard to judge like i'm I'm not sure if it was katie's fault i I guess i don't know if it was the scheme i don't know if it was ayton's fault i don't know so i I think it's just like they're gonna have to get through the front what two or three months and calendar year let's say of the season where they're gonna have lots of bad defensive games Mm -hmm. and they're gonna have to and I believe they're going to win and just out offense everyone. And then you're going to have to be like, okay, January, we need to start seeing like less breakdowns, flat breakdowns. Like this team isn't going to be a great one-on-one defensive team, but you just got to get rid of the breakdowns and know what you're doing by January. And I think that's how the season's going to go. I think they're clearly the best team in the league, but they're, they are actually a, a, I believe it when I see it team Yeah, where we just need to see it. And uh, before I make my last point on them, Uh, The bench is the other one, obviously, and I think, again, the point I made in part one, by January, if you know who your eight or nine guys are, you're going to be the best team in the world. If Mm -hmm. you don't know, still in April, like last year, uh uh-oh. There's easily a situation where Kata Bates-Diop isn't good and Yuta can't stay on the floor defensively, and now you just don't have a wing. Like You just don't have a a wing. You need Tumati Kamara-ish to be that guy suddenly, and that's where, again, you start to run into trouble. I think backup center should be fine. I think one of Goodwin or Okogi will be good. Um, I still think they'll have the guys to be clear, but there are scenarios where they wind up with a short bench once again, but mm-hmm. I think they're more equipped uh, to handle it. They would be my title pick if it wasn't for the big man, if it wasn't for Aiden. Yeah. I just can't, again, believe it when I see trust it. Trust in four really good players. You have trust in three, yeah. and 
it, it matters that the three are good at offense and the fourth yeah. is either really good or not good on defense. And we could be 15, 25 games into the year, and I could change this statement and say, yeah, they're my title pick now because it looks like he's taking on everything that he needs to. But we'll see. For now, in August, I just can't do it. Can't do it. I'm with you. I'm with you. And hence Denver. So you would say Denver's your pick right now? Yep. In August? Yep. Yeah, I would say so. Uh Every team behind them that is even in the next two tiers of yours have major questions. And look, this is not considering injuries. That team's really good. They didn't get injured for very badly at all through the whole season. And, of course, things come up, and you can't put two seasons together like that, but that's how we do these things in projecting. you got to run. We're going to cancel Cat's Talk until next week. Oh, um, but yeah. give, give us your top eight before you go. So you have Nuggets, Suns. Nuggets, Suns, Clippers, Lakers. Ooh, Clippers three, okay. I'm assuming, do I know that they're going to be healthy to start the season? In yeah, theory, just give everyone be? the benefit of the doubt. Pelicans, okay. Mavs. Five, six. Am I forgetting someone? You have not said oh, the Thunder Oh, I haven't yet. said you the have Thunder. You said the Warriors yet. Thunder, right, with Pelicans, Mavs. You'd not say the Kings either. Oh, God. Kings. Oh, no. This, yeah, this was is where less I... of putting you on the spot and more yeah. of a thought exercise. The West is going to be a mess again. It's going to be an absolute mess. Can't wait. Nuggets, Suns, Clippers, Lakers, Thunder, Pels. Still oh, haven't said the Kings of the Warriors. Oh, you have them in the plan. God. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be nuts. Thunder, Kings, were. Yeah, I can't. I can't keep track of <laughs> Dude, these things in my brain. That's the thing. If you want to put the Clippers that high, that means you're docking one of those teams like that. Or you want to put the Lakers that high, it's really tough. You didn't even like you, Memphis didn't even come to mind for you. Dallas didn't even come to mind for you at all. Yeah, that's Minnesota fine. didn't even come. To, you're okay. You're okay with that. That's, that's yeah. Uh, okay. Minnesota and Dallas. And fair, yeah. fair to you, sir. Okay. Uh, all right. I, we'll be back uh, not next week, but unless something happens, of course, breaking news edition. But if no breaking news edition, we'll be back sometime in late August. We'll be watching Da play for the Bahamas. We'll be watching. Um, Chemezi Metsu play for Nigeria. I believe that's it right now. Uganda is in the tournament as well, so maybe Ish is playing. We'll watch the Ish. good old USA when that those guys get rolling. And we'll too. watch uh, those guys and see if there's anything more to take from that. But thanks so much for listening. Uh, as you can tell, we had fun with this one. Uh, we we're just kind of in the middle of baseball season, training camp, all that kind of stuff. But uh, you know we're basketball people at heart, so we're waiting on that to come back. Thanks to Jeremy Schnell over there helping no, with thanks. the video element. Of Reminding this. us of all the... Pac-12 players. Quickly dismissing James Harden. I'm sorry, but Go. not sorry at the same time. Right. Can't wait for those trips to Waco. Okay. All right, Kevin's got meetings. He's a, he's a big lead editor, leading all the editors and is leading to do with leading. Bye.